and make disciples of all the nations. Baptizing them in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always, to the end of the age. Our calling is to know God and make Him known. This is our commission. This is our command. This is our calling. This is our privilege. This is discipleship. Good morning, Mosaic. Yes, it is going to be a great morning today as we get to celebrate what God is doing in our midst uh, with baptisms today. Are you guys excited about that? Man, I love it. I love it. And I love where um, that video kind of launches us off in the Great Commission, the, the calling and the invitation of God to go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and Son and Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything that He has commanded us and He promises to be with us to the very end of the age. And, and so we have been launching into, starting last week, uh, and continuing this week and next week, uh, a new series called Discipleship uh, at Mosaic. And uh, we are excited because uh, we are seeing that this invitation uh, to follow after Jesus is the most incredible adventure, uh, the most incredible thing that we can step into. And knowing that as we uh, embark upon that lifelong journey to follow us after Jesus, that we get to experience the life and the freedom that God has designed uh, for each one of us to be able to experience uh, in him as we know him. Uh, we, we started last week as Dave uh, began to unpack uh, the incredible importance of the biblical story and understanding uh, kind of uh, who we are in light of who God is and the story that God is unfolding through creation and, and the fall and uh, redemption and restoration, the, the, the recognition uh, that our story is really the story of God and that we have an opportunity to participate in that story. And as we understand the story of God, it is helpful for us to be able to engage uh, in that story uh, together. Last week, Dave uh, started us off on this discipleship journey by defining discipleship in this way. Uh, discipleship is the lifelong journey of knowing God and making him known through embracing the biblical story, Christian belief, and Christian practice in community. This week, uh, we're launching into that second piece of that puzzle, uh, the, the Christian belief. What does it look like to believe uh, in all that God has invited us to believe in so that it, it affects and shapes our lives so that we can live our lives as followers of Jesus uh, and to tell his story and to make him known to the ends of the earth. Uh, there is a pastor, a theologian named A.W. Tozer, uh, who I very much love. Uh, anybody ever heard of A.W. Tozer in the house? Uh, man, I highly recommend. There's a couple of books that he wrote in particular, The Pursuit of God by A.W. Tozer is one of my all-time favorite books. 
And another book that he wrote on the attributes of God that I love is called The Knowledge of the Holy. And in that book, uh, A.W. Tozer says this, and I want us to hear this today. He says, what comes into our minds when we think about God is the most important thing about us. Let that settle in for just a moment. What comes to our minds when we think about God is the most important thing about us. The reality is, is that, that when I say the word God, that word conjures up thoughts in our minds. Uh, those thoughts could be very simple. They could be very profound. They could be tied to lots of different things we may have heard or learned or experienced. They may be tied to things that we've learned through the scriptures. They may be tied to, to all sorts of different, potentially even cultural realities. If you say the word God in our cultural context and you were to ask maybe 50 people on the street, what do you think of when you think about God? You might get about 50 different answers, right? And we live in a world uh, that is very pluralistic. We kind of have a very uh, a mentality that what you believe is for you and what I believe is for me and you can do you and I can do me and we can all just uh, be happy ever after. And yet God, the one true God, the creator of heaven and, on, and earth, has disclosed who he is through the scriptures. He has self-disclosed to us who he is. And beyond the scriptures, he, he disclosed who he is in Jesus. Jesus said, if you have seen me, you've seen the Father. The, the author of scripture says, uh, you know, long ago, God spoke through the mouths of the prophets, but now he has spoken to us concerning his son. God is actually who God is, regardless of what we think about him. Now, Tozer goes on to say that the temptation that we have is to conjure up an idea of God in our minds that does not come from his self-disclosure through scripture, that does not come from Jesus and the person and work and who he is and what he's done. It comes maybe from other sources. And when we conjure that, that image of God that is not actually true to who he is, and then we worship that thing, that that is actually in essence idolatry, <laughs> that in essence it is us worshiping a creation of our own image. And when we create a God for ourselves, and then begin to worship that God, it makes it impossible for us to be able to actually relate to the one true God in the way that he has asked us and invited us to relate to him. God is our creator. He loves us. He desires for us to know him as his creation. It's our greatest privilege and it's to our greatest good when we know our creator. God is not simply egotistical saying, oh yes, you should know me, you should know my glory. God's glory being made known is the best thing that, that his creation could possibly experience. And so it is out of God's love for his creation that his desire for his glory and his name to be made famous among his creation is actually for our own good. How awesome is that? And he, he loves us and he desires us to know him as father. When Jesus prayed and he said, his disciples said, Jesus, teach us how to pray. Jesus says, he starts out by saying, our father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, right? Now, 
I've got a story, a, a story I want to share with you, and I promise you, I did not fabricate this story for the purposes of this sermon. This is true, and it happened yesterday. Look at you, God. You're so good. So uh, my daughter, she's uh, it's about two and a half years old. Her name is Haddon. She's running around. She's got red hair. She's cute as a button. And I love uh, kids that are that age because they have the ability to be like totally sweet and amazing in one moment and totally rotten in the very next moment, right? I love that age. Uh, we have another daughter who is uh, about to turn three months. And uh, so, uh, and her name's Piper. And my daughter Haddon comes in and she just comes in just with the sweetest look on her face uh, to our bedroom yesterday morning. And she just looks at me and she says, I love you, daddy. She looked at my, her, my wife, her mom. She said, I love you, mommy. And she looked at her sister, Piper, and said, I love you, Piper. And without skipping a beat, I promise you, she said, I love you, closet. <laughs> and, and like in that one moment, I'm like, she is like melting my heart. Like, I love you, daddy. I love you, mommy. I love you, Piper. And then all of a sudden I realized I was basically on the same level as the closet. <laughs> you know? And in our lives, there's actually a temptation to kind of treat God that way, right? That, that we approach God and we're like, yes, I love you, God. Yes, I love you, bank account. I love you, retirement fund. I love you, health insurance. I love you, my own physical well-being and comfort and health. I love you, pizza. I love you, ice cream, right? And we don't order our loves well, <laughs> where we love God with all of our heart and our soul and our mind and strength, and then we love our neighbor in response to that love for God. And God is inviting us to love him with all of who we are, and yet we're constantly challenged because, as John Calvin rightly says, the human heart is like an idol factory. That the human heart, people say, like, trust your heart. No, <laughs> No, let your heart be transformed by Jesus. That's actually what needs to take place. But because our heart has the propensity, the Bible says the heart is deceptive above all things. Woo. And so it's true. And we have to recognize that our heart's propensity is not to worship creator as he is, but to worship creation instead of creator. That our heart's propensity is to look around at all the good things that God has provided for us and elevate those good things to a position that only God belongs to be in. And that's the propensity of all of our human hearts because we have fallen sinful nature that we have to come to grips with that and we have to recognize that. So John Calvin, one of the greatest theologians and pastors in the last 500 years, uh, his commentary has been used by hundreds and hundreds of pastors for hundreds and hundreds of sermons for these 500 years. He said the human heart is like an idol factory. Well, another great theologian and pastor recently said during our teaching team meeting on Monday, Zach Olson, and I say that tongue-in-cheek because he is a great theologian. He is a great pastor. But here's what he said. He kind of building on what John Calvin said about the human heart. He says, that the influencer, influencers of our culture are the assembly line workers in the factory. That's profound, man. Like, Zach, somebody get that guy a raise. Like, so the human heart, it's an idol factory, but the influences of our culture are like the little assembly line workers in the idol factory. You thought about that. Think about this. You and I, we are being influenced 
Another way to think about that is that we're actually being indoctrinated 24 hours a day, seven days a week, 365 days a year by a multi, 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 multi billion dollar industry that is the advertising industry in the world that we live in. And they go to great lengths to get our attention, to garner our affection, our desires for the products and services that they are selling. And so we are being influenced. We are being indoctrinated. The question is, into whose doctrine? Into whose doctrine are we being indoctrinated? And if our culture is spending billions of dollars and has 24 hours a day and seven days a week to indoctrinate, my question to us here, church, today is, if the 90 minutes that we experience together on Sundays is all we get, how do you think we're doing? It's going to be really, really, really tough when we have a multi-billion dollar industry feeding us information, intoxicating us with all that they have to sell and offer, and we get 90 minutes. And so the journey of discipleship is not a 90-minute journey. But what is it? It is a lifelong journey and pursuit. It is an invitation to know God for who he truly is. It's not just another thing to add to your to-do list. Like, well, I better do discipleship now. No, (laughs) it's a great and grand invitation for you and I to know our creator and how that changes us from the inside out, how that makes us different people reformed into the image of our creator. And God invites us into that, that discipleship journey. And he's saying, look, the world, the ways of this world are trying to indoctrinate you. How are we going to combat the ways of this world? It's through the journey of discipleship. So whose doctrine are we being indoctrinated into? Is it CNN or Fox News? Yes, I said both on purpose. Is it ESPN? College football season's about to start. I know my idol factory's pumping. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> my little human heart's like palpitating. You know what I'm saying? And uh, the team I root for is terrible. But it is a, <laughs> Paul, Paul, my, my brother who is a Gator fan, I will continue to pray for you and love you as a fellow elder. We'll journey together despite our differences. Um, <laughs> but is it the temptation of our heart to be indoctrinated by these sources? So CNN or Fox or whatever alt news that you like or ESPN or HGTV, you know, they're like, I got to get rid of all my shiplap now. It's out of style. Like, oh man. Like we, we get indoctrinated by whatever pop, pops up on our iPhone. Or even worse, our Android. You, you know who you are. You're making all of our texts green, people. And we can't, we can't even name the group. How are we supposed to know? We're just thumbing through and there's a long list of contacts and it's green when we pick it. You know who you are. And you're loved by God and you're part of his family, regardless of the type of phone that you use. But, but the influencers are shouting messages to us constantly. And we're embracing those images. And we're allowing the world to dictate and tell us who we are. And God is shouting from the rooftop saying, 
I told you who you are when I died for you on the cross. You are valued. You are loved. You are made in my image and I came to redeem you. That's who our God is and that's what he's shouting to us. So the journey of discipleship is not some drudgery. We got to walk, I guess I got to read my Bible today. I guess I should maybe pray. No, what an, just a sad way to think about the opportunity it is to get to know God and God is inviting us to know him. See, see, the journey of discipleship matters so deeply because of the realities of this indoctrination that are taking place in our culture. And if we're honest with ourselves, that, that we recognize, man, the state of our theology and our doctrine, the condition of what we know and what we believe, it is being impacted by the world around us. And the only way to combat that is by going on a lifelong journey of deep, rooted discipleship of getting to know and be familiar with and fluent in the biblical story of embracing Christian belief and understanding what that truly is and and centering our lives around it of engaging in Christian practice saying okay if this is what is true about who God is and what he's called me into then how can I engage in that The reality is that the indoctrination of the world that we live in has affected the doctrine of Christians in churches today. We're foolish if we think it's not affecting us. In fact, in 2018, Lifeway Research, along with Ligonier Ministries, released a research project called the State of Theology or the State of Doctrine. This research is meant to help local churches understand the the current theological temperature of the church And the results are pretty sobering. Here's what it says. The church is confused about who God is, what it means to be an image bearer of God, who Christ is, what sin is, what salvation is, and so much more. When asked to agree or disagree with the statement, Jesus is the first and greatest being created by God, which is a fourth century heresy known as Arianism, 78% of evangelical Christians agreed. Okay, Jesus was not created by God. Jesus is God. Public service announcement to all of us. (laughs) Jesus is God. He's the second person of our Trinitarian God, who is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. He's not a creation. In the beginning was the word, the word was with God and the word was God. And then the word became flesh and dwelt among us. What's that scripture about? It's about Jesus and his incarnation. And so for 78% of, of people who are attending church in America on a weekly basis to agree with the statement that Jesus is a really important created being is astounding. And the reason it is astounding is because we're being indoctrinated by so many other things. We don't have the time, energy, effort, or bandwidth to become indoctrinated with the truth. We want to unashamedly indoctrinate you with the truth of who God is. I want to be indoctrinated with the truth of who God is and how he has revealed himself to me. We all desperately need that. 
J.T. English, who wrote a book called Deep Discipleship, and we've been utilizing that book in our discipleship journey as we've been kind of reforming how discipleship is going to flesh out here at Mosaic. He says this, he says, All disciples believe doctrine, just not always Christian doctrine. Doctrineless disciples cannot love God because they do not know him. You cannot love a God you don't know, and neither can I. And so this matters deeply. Jen Wilkin points out, the heart cannot love what the mind does not know. That's why Jesus says, love the Lord your God with all of your heart, your soul, your mind and your strength that there has to be something of an understanding of who God is who he has revealed himself to be in order for us to be able to worship him rightly otherwise as Tozer would point out it is idolatry because we're always worshiping something the question is are we worshiping God so what is the antidote to the indoctrination of the culture. It's discipleship. Discipleship is the antidote. And remember, discipleship, it is a lifelong journey of knowing God and making him known through embracing the biblical story, Christian belief, and Christian practice within community. And so that's what we're going to be inviting you on. That's why we're doing this three-week series as we close out the summer and head into the fall. We are inviting you unashamedly to be a disciple, a disciple of Jesus, and to go on this lifelong journey with us in the midst of community. And here's the thing, whether you're here and you're like, I'm just still trying to figure out what it even means to believe God, to believe in God, to believe Jesus, to believe in Jesus, to believe the Bible, to trust what it says. I'm still learning all of that. Welcome to the journey. And we love that you're here. And we're glad that you're here. And we want to walk with you in that journey. If you, like some of the people who are going to be stepping into the pool of baptism today, which we are excited about, if you have embarked upon that journey and you're following after Jesus, man, maybe you're still brand new and there's a lot you got to learn. Hey, welcome to the lifelong journey. And if you're here and you've been, I don't know, like my mom, she's been, that woman, she is so much like Jesus. She's been following Jesus for so many years. And she, you know, she's a saint because she raised me. That was a task. That was a task. But my mom loves the Lord. She loves Jesus so much. She's so much like Jesus. And yet she is signing up for the Bible study that we have coming up for Genesis and she's going to be here studying God's word. And I promise you, she has studied the book of Genesis in like deep dive study more times than I have read it. And I'm a pastor. My mom loves the Lord and she's on journey with Jesus. And that journey doesn't stop until you take your final breath. So no matter who you are, how long you've been following Jesus, how young or old you are, we want to unashamedly invite you to journey with us through, through discipleship. Now, I've shared a lot of quotes. I've read some excerpts. Uh, I've shared with you some of my heart and some of, some of the scripture, but I want to go to the scripture together because I don't want you to walk away thinking, well, that was some interesting stuff. I hope that was biblical. Uh, 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, starting in verse 15, Paul, uh, actually 13, Paul says it this way. 
Paul says, but we ought always to give thanks to God for you, brothers beloved by the Lord, because God chose you as the first fruits to be saved through sanctification by the Spirit and what? Belief. In what? The truth. Christian belief. Like, not just like vague general spirituality about the universe. No. How are you saved? How are you sanctified? By the Spirit and by belief in the truth. So what did Jesus say about the Holy Spirit? That he was going to leave the Holy Spirit. Jesus ascends into heaven to be enthroned. He sits at the right hand of the Father. And he says, it's good for you that I go because when I go, I'm going to leave for you a helper. That helper will lead you and guide you into all truth. And that is the role of the Holy Spirit in your life and in mine is to lead us and to guide us into sanctification, becoming more like Jesus. It's just a long word to say becoming more like Jesus and truth in truth, our belief in truth. And he leads us and guides us into that. Verse 14, to this he called you through our gospel so that you may obtain the glory of our Lord Jesus Christ. So then brothers, stand firm and hold to the traditions that you were taught by us, either by our spoken word or by our letter. This is in reference to the apostolic tradition about who Jesus is and what he's done, his death, uh, burial, and his resurrection. It is about the written words that have been given to us, words like Romans and Philippians and Galatians and Ephesians and Hebrews and Revelation and, and these apostolic letters, the, the, what made up the New Testament. And Paul is saying, hold fast to this New Testament teaching, the, 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 the teaching about who Jesus is and what he's done in his life. Hold fast to all of the scriptures, the totality of the, the word of God, the revealing of who God is to his people. And these words, stand firm and hold fast, help us to see how vital it is as followers of Jesus to not let go of the truth that God has revealed to us in his word and be uh, tossed to and fro, as James says, that, that we would be uh, people who are standing firm and steadfast. Uh, I'm going to share a few more scriptures. If you're taking notes, you can look these up later. We're not going to walk through them this morning. But Ephesians 3, 14 through 21 describes what it looks like to be rooted and grounded in who God is and in his love for us. Ephesians 4, 11 through 14, describe what it looks like to be mature and complete, measuring up to the stature of Christ. Finally, Paul writes to Timothy in his, uh, one of his last letters to 2 Timothy uh, chapter 2, verses 8 through 14. And he talks to Timothy about guarding the good deposit that was entrusted to him. Now, I mentioned that we are stepping into a new Bible study, Right? And this study is in the book of Genesis. And as we jump into this study on the book of Genesis, I want you to understand that we're not simply diving into a study that is only going to help us learn about how the world was created, how the world was formed. Uh, as we jump into Genesis, I want us to notice what is the title of this study? God of creation. Who do you think this, this uh, study is going to center on? God. Yes, and particularly we're going to see that all of Scripture is a story that leads us to Jesus. But in this incredible study, we're going to be getting to know who God is, this Trinitarian God who created the heavens and 
the earth. We're going to look at his attributes and the fact that he indeed is a creator God. We're going to look at the theme of sin. We're going to look at the theme of God's promise to rescue. And we're going to look at the theme of the new hope that we have. Because even in those first pages of Genesis, who do you think is promised as an answer to sin? There's your opportunity. Jesus, he was promised from the very beginning, from the early pages of Scripture, that he would be the one that would come and take care of sin and death. Mosaic, as we jump into this next journey at at this church, in the life of our church, to, to walk into this lifelong journey of discipleship in community together, our invitation is to be able to know God better so that we can then make him known. And that is the invitation that I hope we all journey into. We're calling this a whole church Bible study because guess who we want to take part? The whole church, okay? It's on Tuesday nights, it's on Wednesday mornings, we've got childcare provided. I know some of you might think, man, that's impossible with my schedule. Uh, Rick Bonner is our discipleship pastor. He would love to connect with you. Uh, if you have questions about how to get plugged in, if those nights, uh, that night or morning doesn't work for you. Ultimately, Mosaic, our heart, is that we would all be journeying into the lifelong journey of discipleship together so that we may be able to know God and to make him known. What an invitation, amen? Amen. Amen. Let's pray together. God, we thank you so much for who you are. We thank you for what you've done. God, we thank you that you have revealed yourself to us in beautiful, beautiful, countless ways. Through your word, by coming, Jesus, in the flesh and dwelling among us. God, we thank you that you have revealed yourself to us. God, I pray that we would be a people who would look to you, God, and and to worship you for who you truly are. That we would not simply just conjure up a notion of who you are in our own minds and fashion you into the person we want you to be and then worship that thing. Because God, we admit that that is idolatry. And we recognize that our hearts have a tendency and a propensity to worship things that are not you. So God, help us. Help us to know you for who you are and to worship you for who you are. And we ask that all of us would be able to journey through this lifelong journey of discipleship, of knowing you and making you known. And we thank you for the opportunity to continue in that journey together. And it's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen.